0: There we are right, hello everybody. So, first of all, thank you very much. If you joined me last Thursday for the 5:30 um, talk on uh, hip, uh, hypnotherapy, depression, and the relationship to rider confidence and the solutions to, to depression, solution-focused hypnotherapy, I had a fantastic time. I must admit, I get very enthusiastic about the subject and uh, if i went rambling towards the end well that's because i get very excited and it's absolutely marvelous hi donna hi 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 nicola hi penny how are you we have been doing so last week i'll just tell you what i've been doing while you type what you've been doing um last week it was very exciting we had royalty from the middle east come to do horseback archery and uh very honored and it was very chaotic there was security and and personal bodyguards and an entourage of people carrying around cool boxes full of refreshments and coats if it rained and uh, there we are coats if it rained and other things if it's sunny and massive entourage of people all organizing it so that was chaos and uh, <laughs> very good and uh, indeed an and that's marvelous so i'm wearing my jordan top there we are um yeah so that was very good then I did my uh, talk with you. That was on the very day of my talk with you for the depression. So I came running down from the, the special royal visit and uh, got on with it. And then we've had a busy weekend doing horse archery. Um, we had a, a horse archery day for the advanced students, which was jolly good yesterday. And here we are on Monday. There we are. Penny dealing with the pony playing silly beggars in the field. Yes, they are fun. Yes, they're good though, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, so there we are. We got... All the horses exercised, didn't we? And uh, so we're all up to, up to speed and up to scratch. I'm also working on a new trick. For those of you that don't know, um, I uh, I perform and um, in a jigatovka show, the Stampede Stunt Company. So if you look at Stampede Stunt Company, you'll see our show reels, lots of tricks and things like that. And I'm working on a new trick. So that's uh, very exciting for me, given that I'm now running these live at five, I've got my new trick, I've got my fears, I've got my bite sizes and all that, so it, it's nice to keep up with my own advice um, as I get this new trick, and you'll see it when it's ready. Uh, there we are. So anyway, that's what I've been doing, so everybody type what you've been doing, because I do want to know. Um, and thank you very much for those who joined. Now. We got 79 people at its peak which is absolutely marvellous, I'm absolutely delighted. And uh, was it 200 and something comments underneath of people taking on most of the comments? Very interested, very sensible comments that had been thinking about this and a couple of negative comments. And the negative comments got greeted by some other people who just basically weren't having it. And uh, these people began to pally up and and, egg each other on that they're just going to be negative about the whole experience and not, not ask intellectual brain messages, but there you go. Interesting that the Two reasonably negative people pallied up and started referencing each other through the comments. Which brings me to my main thing about bite sizes. Bite sizes. The very first bite size that you can take in anything, and I know this um, because I'm working on this new trick, the very first bite size that you can take, and you can take this right now in any sphere of your life, is to make the decision to make sensible, positive decisions to succeed. Make the decision to make sensible decisions. So when these two negative people found each other, was that a sensible decision? When there's somebody presenting, from their experience, all about the solutions to um, depression, before it even finished, before I would got halfway through, to find somebody else and and pal with them, pal with the most negative person in the room. Is that a sensible decision? Obviously no. If you've got my book, you'll know that this is a central theme running through um, my, uh, my uh, attitude towards the whole genre of horse riding, leisure horse riding. Um, don't pally up with the people who are scared of their horses because they're going to influence you. There we are. So um, this reminds me of a story. Okay. It reminds me of a story you might have heard it from a Scottish comedian whose name's I've, I've forgotten now. Um, a guy got onto the bus and he didn't have 17p to get on the bus and he was arguing with the driver. And of course, when a nutter gets on the bus, they always go to you, don't they? So uh, he gets on the bus finally, and um, the the comedian was sitting there trying to ignore him, going through his Facebook. And the, the chap sat next to him and said, oh, Facebook, is, uh, you know what, that's free. That bloke shouldn't be free. He should have charged everybody a pound to go on Facebook. Six billion u- users, he'd have six billion pounds. And the comedian's punchline was, just what I need. <laughs> or just what Mark Zuckerberg needs. Financial advice from someone who hasn't got 17p for the bus. <laughs> there we are. But that's my point. Don't latch on to the most frightened people, the most insecure people, simply because they share your values at the moment is not going to do you any good at all. Make the decision, to make sensible, positive decisions. One of the positive decisions is to not go and find the most depressed person in the room or the person who's most insecure about their horse and pally up and form a little group called the Wobble Lips and start calling your horses scary monsters, and so on and so on. Anyway, that's besides the point. The point is, your first bite size is to make the decision to make sensible decisions. So your sensible decision might have been, oh, I'm going to watch, watch Carl's presentation and I'm going to learn about the various solutions for, for, um, for depression. And because I want to, I want to uh, stop being depressed. I want to be happier. I want to um, be more in control of my life, which is fair enough. I want to be more in control of my life what does that actually mean it means that we're more in control of our relationships we're more in control of our emotions perhaps we're more in control of our exercise because we're not sitting emotionally eating in the corner uh, eating chocolate but we're more emotionally uh, in charge or intellectually in charge of our diet our exercise our finances our relationships what would that mean this is all getting a little bit miracle question if you watch the presentation last week the miracle question what would that mean that would mean that um i've I've got a a savings plan and an investment plan and a a spending plan and and so on and so on. what would that mean that would mean that um, our finances would be on track and we might be able to execute the plan that we intended to do before i got depressed what would that mean what would that mean in a year five years ten years what would that mean to your life plan Plucking something out of the air. Um, maybe I've always wanted to retire to Cornwall. There we are, or not even retire. I want to end up. No, not retire. I want to live in Cornwall. I want to go surfing. I want to. How would that? How would that come about? Well, if I had a portfolio of three properties, and I rented one, and I sold one for the house, and I sold one to form a little shop called Jingle Jangle, selling knickknacks and seashells, so that I can survive down there. And I'd written a little book, and that produced an income, and. Okay, so in 10 years' time, you're going to have three properties and a book. That means in five years' time, you need to do what? In two years' time, you need to do what? Now, raising our goals like that, and I'm... uh, from, From saying, oh, I'd just rather not be depressed, what we actually mean is I'd like to take charge of my life, and I'm going to have a string of properties, a series of books, and a property and a shop in... Cornwall, and as you look at that today, that might seem like a huge mountain a huge mountain. And the confused mind will always say no, and you don't know how you're going to get up this mountain. And a confused mind will always do nothing. I can't, oh, impossible. But on the side of this particular mountain are a series of steps that have been carved into the mountain. They're your steps, your personal steps, going past the one-year mark, two-year mark, three-year mark, five-year mark, ten-year mark, and there we go. The first step. Just take the first step. Don't look at the mountain. Just take the first step. I'm giving the first step to you. (laughs) The first step is to make sensible, positive decisions to succeed. Once you've made that decision, you can then rely on that decision to take the first part in taking charge of your meal choices and your exercise choices and your finance choices because you've made that decision. And that decision is probably, don't hang out so much with the people who've been influencing you. Maybe maybe spend more time with people whose influence you, you could do with. The first step, just take the first step. So we've raised our goals, our goal is an enormous mountain. And we've broken it down into bite-sized steps, going through and through and through, and the first steps given to us, and we could do that today. And that was my live at five. Okay, let's see some comments. <laughs> my bite size is a few months ago seems silly, silly now. What a, yes. And I have the same. And I, w- I was speaking to this with Freddie when we were trying this new trick. And um, I, I broke down my first bite size. And as I got used to the very first step, it was frightening. And I was saying to Freddie, this is going to seem so simple now. We do this thing. Right, Give me give you an example. We do this uh, trick uh, called a pyramid. You've got three horses, two people standing on the back, and one person standing on top of them. When we first did that trick, when we first got it together, we couldn't even work out how it got together at a stand. Now we've done it a lot, we've done it for a whole season, and we're quite happy to canter the pyramid reasonably fast, not quite a gallop, but not far off either, and do a sharp turn at the end. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I don't don't blame you. but nonetheless, if you go onto the Stampede Stunt Company Facebook page, you'll see what I do in one of my other day jobs. But the fact is, the bite size of trying to work out how to climb up into this pyramid in the first place, uh, now just seems silly. But we took it. We took that bite size. We didn't, we didn't frighten ourselves. We broke it all down, broke it all down. So, Julie, that is the most wonderful thing to say. Listen to this lady, everybody. Listen to Julie, she knows what she's talking about. Fenced off grass pen, I like that. Um, first bite size rounds and fenced off grass pen. Quite a lot of people have agrophobia when they go out and, and you're on the horse and you get into this big field and you see the, the big vista and, and the views and everything and, and you're, ooh, this is a bit much, what if the horse bolts, what 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 if, what if, what if. Well, the answer is to take up a few fence posts and a bit of rope, you don't have to electrify it, <laughs> and um, make a 40 by 20 arena in the, in the field. Do your exercises, your figure eights, your normal serpentines and everything and everything. Get used to working in that visa for yourself and then make the, the arena a little bit bigger next week and a bit bigger and a bit bigger and keep doubling and doubling until the arena's huge and you've been working in it quite happily. It's, it's almost nothing, it's almost nothing. And when you look back to, and you're galloping quite happily across that vista in, in a few months' time, you'll be thinking, yeah, I remember when I had to put a little pen up. But if you don't do those bite sizes... our fight The, the part of our brain that deals with fight and flight has the processing power of a seven-year-old. So you have to treat yourself as you would a seven year old. I should go on about this another time at another Live in Five, but it doesn't really matter if I repeat myself. If you were teaching a seven year old to jump a course of jumps, you wouldn't do any good looking down at the seven year old and going, get over the jump, you stupid idiot. You used to be able to do it, now do it. Of course you wouldn't. How many people do that to themselves? Exactly. I can't help it that we've all got a fear response at seven years old, but I can acknowledge it, I can work with it, I can do my little bite sizes, and everything that I do that looks big and exciting um, in my shows, the bite sizes were ridiculous. Ridiculous. Standing on a chair was one of them, I speak about that on my rider confidence course. Anyway, I'm rambling now, I was trying to read the comments, hello everybody, hello, 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 beautiful, hello Jane, Lydia. Super. that's my little book? Too. Ah, someone's got their book. Super. I hope it's a nice one. Take a photo of it. Stick on it the comments. Isn't habit a dreadful addiction? Yes. Yes. And the thing. Okay, in the comments uh, after the um, presentation about depression, uh, I was replying to some of the comments and the The phrase that came up was, it's work, it's work, it's work, it's work. To do these mental processes, it's work. People say, are you happy every day in the morning? No, I'm not, but I know that if I don't want a lifetime of anger, anxiety, and depression, I've got work to do, guarding my thoughts. If you can be bothered to do that work, that work will become habitual. Then it's not work. You don't even have to do it. You forget why you do it. It's just what you do like filling up the water water bucket in the in the stable before you start mucking out. So the first thing I do, I go in, I pull the water bucket across, sweep all behind it, pull it back here, empty it out, put it back again, and pull the hose across and start it filling. Then I then I muck out. I mean it, it even as I say it it's barely worth talking about. But it does mean that I save two minutes going over to the tap, but bear in mind I've got 20 buckets to fill, two minutes, two times 20, that's 40 minutes I've saved. But it took a bit of work to go, right, it's taking me this long to do the stables, this is what I need. Now it's a habit and I don't even have to think about it. But yes, habit is a dreadful addiction, but perfectly easy to overcome. Initially it's work, If you've made the decision to make sensible, positive decisions, then you'll stick to that. And there we go. Lovely. Okay. Hi, Gwen. How are you? I've seen you for ages. Lovely. Trying to motivate your pony. Susie, it sounds like there's a bit of a story behind that. Motivate your pony. Pony does as it's told. Are you aware of the running joke that we have on on this yard? Um, it goes, "What does a stallion do when it sees some mares?" "What is bloody told?" And on and on and on. What do, what do they do when they don't like having their feet washed? "What they bloody told." "What do they do?" "What they bloody told." Might vote your pony. It does what it's told. Okay, lovely. Lovely. Oh Donna making it clear to my horses that they are on duty when I'm handling them. Such a difference. Have you by any chance um, Already watched my DVD about uh, horsemanship because that's exactly what I say So if you haven't you clearly already know it fine. Listen to Donna. She knows what she's talking about Um, I've got a video. It's it's on my page somewhere. I'll I'll put the link in, in the comments about the attitude with which we train our horses to desensitise them and bring them through the training. It's, it's a marvellous video. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of it. It's really good and it's really worth seeing. So I just put that out there. There's so many different kinds of horsemanship. I'm not selling my horsemanship program. You don't have to sign up on a monthly thing and go through my instructor's courses or anything like that. It's just, this is how we treat our horses, this is the boundaries they have, this is as much as they're allowed to do or not allowed to do, and this is the philosophy that we use. And it's that simple. And, and with an example, a running example, all the way through going up to a really extreme situation um, that we had to go to the Liverpool International Horse Show and do the most fantastic show. It had to be pizzazz and spectacular. And we got this whole spectacular trip together and I documented the whole thing from start to finish um, to show people, this is what I mean by bite sizes, bite sizes for us, bite sizes for the horse and moving through and, and the way that we managed to get our horses to do the most incredible things. And they are wonderful, I'm super proud of them. But there we are, if you haven't got that video, I'll put it in the in the comments. Okay. I'm way more careful about the chats I have at the yard now. Super. I'm very, very, very glad to hear it. So I'm just going to finish with this final story. This live live has gone on forever. Uh, I'm clearly having a good time. Um, and thank you all for joining. So the final story, this lady, um, <clears throat> I do talks around the country, please. I'll come to yours, um, arrange something, 30-odd people at a riding school or an equestrian centre or a village hall, um, somewhere that sells tea and coffee, and I'll come and I'll do a talk to 30 people, um, and it's, it's marvellous. So I'm going to be doing that all this winter, get it booked in now. So at the end of the talk, obviously, I have questions and answers and discussions, and the lady came out and said, I have this horse called Gus. And I bought Gus on the livery yard that he was on when, 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 I, uh, when I went to see him. So I, I kept the place. And I got on really well. Gus was big, but I got on really well with him. And I was having a great time. And everybody was like, you're getting on really well with that horse. Oh, you're doing ever such a good job. You're doing a marvellous job. Because remember when it did Sandra in, and remember when it did Brian in, and remember when it <laughs> when it had Tony over, and started telling these stories of what this big horse called Gus had done. And she began to take it on board. And she began to do less and less with the horse and think, oh, I'm being quite sensible here. And backed off and backed off. And by the time she came to my talk, she hadn't been on it for five months. And it was like, oh my word. To me, it seemed fairly obvious that this horse owner was the only horse person on the yard. Everybody else had let this big horse go crashing through them and, and ignore the fact they were there. Hadn't got its command at all. She'd gone along, taken control of it. And the whole rest of the livery yard, full of unhorseman per- persons, were amazed and outnumbered her and eroded her confidence when she was the only one doing the right thing, and what do you think the result of the story was? She moved livery yards. There we are. Anyway, hello, 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 Thank you all so much for watching. I've been rambling away. I've had the most wonderful time. Thank you all so very much, and I will see you next time.